everybody, I'm Paul Goebel. I'm David Bax. And welcome to Hey Watch This. Oh, I was just th thrown for a loop, so you'll excuse me, my whole world has been turned upside down. Well, we're, we're here at the TCAs, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're yeah, having a great time we at the we TCAs. Can't, cool. We can't get to the TCAs because we don't write about television. We only talk about it yeah. uh, once a week for Sometimes I write almost 20 years. When was the last time you wrote something about TV? I did a best shows of 2015 list over at uh, at BattleshipRetention.com. So list a list now counts as writing. And I linked. What to, are you Buzzfeed? I linked to reviews that I had written. Okay. So and, was, I put stuff in order. I wrote a little honorable mentions thing. And but then doesn't it have to be in, in print for us for us to be a, like a legit critic? Don't you have to? You can't be a blogger or something. I don't know if that's true. I think there's. A well, didn't you say that about the LA Critics Association? Like you couldn't get in. No, I, I think I can't get in because I'm small potatoes. I don't think really? it's to do with anything being print versus blog. I'm just hmm. not a. I'm not even a professional film critic. Well, I, I have a that's job. That's what I'm saying. Who is a professional film critic? A lot of people. But it, I would say the percentage of people these days who are in the. These critics associations and stuff, whether it's TV, film, music, or whatever. Yeah. I bet the bulk of them, you know, do that work for free. They write, you know, for some, you know, college paper or okay. an indie zine or a prominent website. Like Pat, I know our friend Pat Francis, he, he writes reviews of concerts, but he does it for free because he gets into the concert for free. Mm hmm and he likes to see concerts, but I, you know, he's a legit uh, reviewer. He gets free tickets. They reviews it for this website, and people go, "Oh, it's a good show," and then go see it. You know, and even though he doesn't make money off it, but don't you go to screenings all the time? Constantly, yeah. And, and who free, invites you? Free stuff. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Who who lets you into these movies for free? The either the studio or the PR firm that's handling the uh, the. Publicity. So you're clearly on some kind of list, right? Somebody thinks your opinion yeah, I'm matters. On a bunch of lists. That's what I'm saying. So to say you're not even an officially a, a critic, but I'm not a professional home critic because in that I don't make my living. I make money. I guess that makes me a semi-professional critic. That's what I'm saying. Well, strictly speaking, the I think the definition is if you get paid, you're a professional. But that word means a lot less than it did for our parents these okay. days. I feel like in order to be a professional, you have to be making your living off it. But I'm saying, Whereas I make money from our, yeah. from my, not from this podcast, from my <laughs> podcast, I make money, so I'm professional, yeah. semi-professional. No, I, I understand your point, okay. but I'm saying these days, the lines have blurred so much, because people have so many jobs, jobs that aren't really considered, I mean, what, what do I do? I'm a professional all kinds of things. Yeah. I am a professional actor. I get paid to act every once in a while. I still get residuals for stuff mm -hmm. I've done years ago. Yeah. Does that still make me a professional actor? Speaking Am I a professional comedian? I used to get paid to do stand-up <laughs> comedy. Speaking of residuals, mm -hmm. the other day I caught a rerun that I had not seen of Mystery Diners. <laughs> and it was from the first season, but it was clearly the first episode they ever shot. Why is that? Because it was just totally different and so, so boring. <laughs> but speaking of res residuals, do you know what bar it was? It was... Residuals? It was Maeve's Residuals <laughs> in uh, Studio City. That's funny. Uh, so yeah. what was the problem with the place? This was, this was just that they weren't doing like high concept problems like they were now. It was just like, had a bad bartender. He's giving away too many free drinks oh, okay. and drinking on the job. 
But by but his giving away free drinks was like for residuals, right? They wanted to work that in. They didn't even bring that up, actually. What? That's the whole hook of the bar. Yeah, they, it's residual checks. The place is wallpapered with residual. Yeah, they didn't checks. even bring that up. So that is for the people who don't know the bar uh, residuals Jesus in, in Studio City. Their thing. If you're an actor and you have a, is it a residual check for less than a dollar? Is that what it I is? I think so. Yeah. That the, you, if you turn, you can exchange that for a free beer. Yeah, from what I from what I understand, more than a dollar, that's so. that's the place I picked up Barry Corbin from both times when I was lifting. Yeah, I, he was at that bar, and and from and he told me in the old days you could go in with your residual checks and drink for free because I mean you you may maybe have one or two yeah uh, a month, so it's not it's not like you come in with a bunch of checks and buy the whole bar, but uh, like he told me he was in there with Lee Horsley from Matt Houston who also had a small part in Django. Okay. Um, and uh, they knew each other, and Horsley was like, "Oh, geez, I'll come in and buy stuff for the whole bar because he doesn't. I guess he doesn't cash his. Uh-huh. Some people don't bother cashing theirs because they're so little. But Corbin said, now it's they'll give you one drink. You go in with your one residual. They go, hey, here's a drink, and it's probably a beer. It's definitely well, you know, it's not like a, a top shelf drink. Yeah. But they still, that's the bar's called residuals, and it's papered with." Fucking residual checks. How how do you not say? Yeah, they didn't, that's a, I don't know why they, they didn't bring Jesus, that part. What of, a piece of shit show. That first episode, it didn't air first. Like you could tell, they knew that it was a stinker because they, <laughs> they, they very late it. in the season. Uh, but it was clearly the first thing they did Horrible. because everything was so. But uh, quick change of subject. I don't know if you're getting the news just now. The late breaking news. What that um, production has shut down on HBO's Westworld. Oh, it, is it because of horses? Um, maybe that's what happened to Luck. Yeah, well, but these are robot horses. <laughs> yeah, but not for real. And it's even worse. Are you the, sure the robot horses have to play real horses? <laughs> so we have to walk all robotic. Yeah, oh, that's definitely animal abuse. Um, all right, I'm not surprised. Well, you know what's funny is the movie Westworld. I don't think had horses in it uh, because it's a fake, it's a fake little town, yeah. but. I mean, I would imagine they want to do the high-budget version, so of course there's going to be horses in a new one. Probably. Does it say that it's because of horses? Or just I just read the headline. I'm predicting it's horses. That's why someone... I w- I'm, I'm predicting that from day one, PETA or somebody else said, you can't do this with horses. Luck got shut down, and we're going to shut you down too. And yeah. they probably succeeded. Um, I mean, in California, there's not even racetracks anymore. You know, they closed down Hollywood Park. You can still go there and gamble, but there's no race. There's no horse racing anymore. I think maybe, you know, Santa Anita yeah. and the old style, but in Los Angeles, it's gone. Huh. So, yeah, and I don't know about dog tracks. Do they have dog tracks around here anyway? I don't know. <laughs> well, I went to see Undateable on Friday. Yeah, I thought I was supposed to go with mm, you. Well, what? What do you mean? You As my date? I got a wife and a kid who like Weezer. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying. You're clearly low on the list. No, I'm saying that dude invited us. Yeah? And uh, the last I heard is he was going to get back to us in January. And apparently he got back to you. No, I got back to him. Here's how it happened. Yeah. I Because I follow him and Undateable on Twitter, I saw that Weezer was going to be on Friday. And... Weezer is one of the few bands that Zoe and I both like. Okay. Obviously because when their first album came out when I was in my 20s. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is fucking great. These guys are awesome. And they've still been making the same kind of music. So they're the same band. It's They don't age. Man, Rivers Cuomo look great. Yeah. I couldn't believe how great they look. They all look so young. But so I was like, let's do it. So I sent him a 
message Chris Lucy and said, uh, hey, is Weezer on the show Friday? He said, yes. I said, can I get tickets? He said, yes. And then I said, can, uh, and then he, the chick who's in charge emailed me and said, here's all the information to tickets. I said, can I get an extra ticket, a couple extra tickets for my daughter's friends? She said, here's one extra ticket. Huh? So I knew at that point, three people was the most I was going to do. Uh-huh. I had to take my kid because I just told her. Sure. Okay. And I was like, and I asked Brooke if she wanted to go. She said yes. So my hands are tied at that point. Right. I can't take anybody else. I guess I but, should have reached out to Chris Lucy. Exactly. He invited that invitation to you. So you should send him a thing. He even said, when, I, when we were there waiting, uh, I look at my phone and I get a message from him that says, uh, are you here? I'm on set sitting on a couch right now. Let me know. And I look up and there he is, maybe 10 feet away from me, <laughs> sitting on a couch with his phone. I write back, yes, look up. He looks up. I wave. He's like, great. I say, thanks a lot. Then he texts, he tweeted, uh, glad to have Paul Goble in the house. He does a cool TV podcast. Check it out. And I retweeted that with links to the show. Nice. So, uh, but it was fun. Here's what I'll say about the show. That it was definitely fun. It was a blast for so many things. Uh, partly because we got VIP and we didn't have to wait in line, which was nice. Uh, and my friend Alan Murray, who I've known for 20 years, was doing warm-up. When I talk about when I went to see news radio, you know, the best taping I ever saw, mm-hmm. Alan Murray was the warm-up guy there. I've known him that long. And he's a great warm-up guy, so that was fun. The show's, the only bad thing was the audio was fucked and we couldn't really hear it. Oh. So we were straining to hear what they were saying, you know, the dialogue and stuff. So it's hard to, you know, enjoy the jokes when you yeah. can barely hear them. Um, but it was fun, and it's unlike a lot of, unlike pretty much every other taping of anything, you're out in an hour because it's live. They do right. the scene once, and they move on. Uh, it was blast. The seats were a little close together. I would say, please, there's fatter people in there than me, so uh, move those seats apart. But otherwise, it was a lot of fun, and I highly suggest everybody go do it. Weezer was great. They sang three songs. Two songs off their new album and Buddy Holly. And yet the song, the show, the episode was about a sweater. They didn't do the sweater song? Right. What that would have made sense. Would have made everybody they thought. Do, off the new album they did Thank God for Girls. Yes. And the new single. Which I don't is, know. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. I don't know. Because in, in the episode, I watched the episode. They put both feeds on Hulu or NBC.com, whatever. I watched it and they only did... Buddy Holly and uh, Thank God for Girls on the show. That's all they showed. And only a little bit of Buddy Holly. Because okay. like, they did that at the end. But the full Thank God for Girls they did, which, oh man, killed it. Rocked it. And it's great because you're, you're in a studio, you know, you're on a, a sound stage. So the band is right there, you know. Like yeah. I could have thrown a can at Rivers Cuomo and hit him. It was, uh, it was fun. I, um, I can imagine that song, Killing Live, it has a... Right? It's a very dramatic And it's actually, I suggest everybody watch that episode on Hulu just to see them do that song. It was great because it was live. It sounded good. Um, but it was fun. So, yeah, send him a thing and he'll get you in. Eh. And the best is at the end, <laughs> uh, Brett Morin's is doing his little speech and he says, And if this show gets picked up for another season, God bless the National Broadcasting Corporation. <laughs> and one of the big jokes was uh, they were doing a State of the Union thing. And Delia's like, yeah, I, we're playing State of the Union. Every time I say something great, they stand up and cheer. Every time I say something terrible, they give me bitch face. <laughs> and Brett Moore's like, okay, let me try. If I'm president, every TV, will, every TV channel will show reruns of Whitney. 
and everybody sat down. That was clearly a gag that they didn't tell Delia about, uh-huh. and everybody laughed. And he went, "Ah, NBC burned all those." <laughs> uh, that was pretty nice, but it was fun. And thank you, Chris Lucy. Thank you, Undateable. Uh, I suggest if you come to LA, try to get tickets to it if they're still taping because it was a blast, and you get to see cool bands. Here's another thing I want to say. Okay. Because uh, around this time of the year, I usually catch up on all my TV watching, you know? Okay. Because some shows get canceled, or, or they just, they've run all the six episodes that they shot, and you get ready for the, you know, the second half of the season. So, when it gets slow, I go back and will watch a show that I, like Arrow or something that, you know, I don't usually watch. And I've been doing that with Person of Interest, and I just started season four. This fucking show is great. Oh, really? <laughs> it's the best. And I started watching it because... Tom Griffin, our good friend Tom Griffin, told me that uh, Sarah Shahi and Amy Acker had joined the cast. And I was like, oh, I like Amy Acker, you yeah. know. Uh, and he said, she's really good on it. So I started watching it, and because and, I thought it was just a, you know, action of the week show. But there's a lot of great stuff going on. And in terms of what the premise of the show is, how, you know, there's a machine that watches everything everyone does, it really was kind of prescient, you know, in terms of the government and stuff. It basically said the government does this. That's the opening credits. The government is watching you. And now we realize, holy fuck, they really are. They really are watching. If I was doing shit the government was interested in, they'd know about it. And, And I think it's funny that this show, the premise is we don't care. The government's watching those people. We care about the people who are, who the government has said are, you know, irrelevant. And we're going to try to help them. And in some cases, they go, oh, we're not trying to help them. We have to stop them. One episode, it was a couple who was married who had put a hit on each other. Mm-hmm. And they had to stop the two of them. And they found out the best way to stop them was to send them to counseling. So they they kidnapped them <laughs> and sent them to counseling. So they worked it out. It's fucking great. And now Sarah Shahi is on it. And Taraji P. Henson, of course, was on it before she was on Power. I, I have a, I'm pretty sure I she gets you mean Empire. Empire, yes. Empower. Uh, I'm racist. I'm a racist. <laughs> but she's fucking great. And and so my point is, we suggest shows all the time that we think people should watch. But I wish someone like had history diners. <laughs> but I wish someone had suggested person of interest to me long ago, so I could be watching it when it was on and talking about it because it's a really good show. That happened with Game of Thrones. I had no intention of watching this dumbass show. Game of Thrones based on some boring ass books. And I don't know who it was. I don't remember who it was, but somebody sent me a Facebook message and said, Hey, Paul, you're going to watch Game of Thrones. And I went, I don't think so. And he said, Well, you might dig it because it's got this guy in it and there's zombies and it's blah, blah, blah. And it's, you know, it's really more than you'd expect. And I went, Oh, zombies, that sounds neat. <laughs> and I watched the first episode and it fucking blew my mind, of yeah. course. And just like everyone else, I said, I'm hooked. And honestly, I wouldn't have watched it. And I probably would have went the whole season going, this can't be so great. And I would have been pissed. I kind of had some... I did decide, like, days before the first episode aired, like, there was enough buzz. Of Game was, of Thrones? Yeah. That, oh, okay. Because like, I had been saying, this looks stupid yeah. the whole time, too. And then days before, I said to Mrs. Hall, I was like, I think I'm going to watch this Game of Thrones. <laughs> and she was like... Good luck with all that. Yeah, and right. And now we're both super into it. It's crazy because, yeah, well, there's so many shows like that that go, this doesn't... Well, I remember Star Trek Next Generation. You know, everybody was skeptical. And I looked right. at it and went, what? The bald guy from Dune is the captain? And who are these other people? I don't know any of them. And God, those uniforms look ridiculous. Well, that happened with, like, sequel or remake things, like, 
it seems ridiculous now that anyone would have been skeptical about Battlestar Galactica. Right. But the idea of like remaking this kind of you know and that was a, yeah, exactly. like, show from the seventies. Yeah. Uh, people were pretty skeptical, and then it was, uh, and I think to some extent with Fargo too, like yeah, uh, you know, yeah. Well, I think I think people are more forgiving now because of all this shit. Right. So they're like, well, let's at least watch it and see. But please, if you're watching some show that is great, how can so- I forget Hannibal? Like the show, my favorite show of last year was yeah. also like when it was announced. It was like really more mm-hmm. Hannibal Lecter. We uh, talked about it on my on the old show, and I was like, who is playing him? Who's playing Will and who are these guys? I don't know. Larry Fishburne's on it, but so. But I knew that it was Brian Fuller from Pushing Daisies was right. doing it, so I had I was a little bit interested, and then I watched the first two episodes of WonderCon that year, and I was like, "Holy shit, <laughs> this is good!" Yeah. So please don't hesitate to uh, contact us and say you guys should watch this show uh, because we would love to do that and we learn about new shows and stuff, especially when it's slow, TV wise. Uh, look, I got a couple screeners. I got Spotlight and Straight Outta Compton. Okay. I'm going to watch them back to back. And I have those too. Compare how you, how they're alike. What are you bragging about? Let's say I got a couple screeners I'm going to watch. I'm Look, a big shot. Where do we live? This is Los Angeles. <laughs> Every other house in this block has those screeners. You want to talk about Clyde Bruckman's final repose? Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was excited to watch this again because it is one of the few episodes of X-Files that I have seen. Now, why is that? I, I get why you didn't watch the X-Files, but why is this one... One that you have seen and remember fondly. I, I, I saw it... I don't know if I saw it when it first aired or in a, like an early rerun and was pretty blown away by it. And then I think I mentioned this last week when we talked about it. Or maybe this is off mic. I had, I'm sure this has happened to you sometimes. There was a period of time where it seemed like every time I'd be flipping channels and come across an X-Files rerun, oh, it, was it that seemed one. to be this episode. Mm. And well, so I'd probably yeah. seen it three or four times. But I still remember that first feeling of seeing it and it being um not only having you know there's some x-files was it's a science fiction show but it's also a horror show sure you know and it had some of that creepiness with him like predicting his death in the kitchen and you see in the kitchen then it unfolds Mm -hmm. kind of like he saw but not exactly so there's like some suspense stuff like that but it also in the character of clyde bruckman had this existential sadness to it but i don't i don't think that i uh, not being very familiar with the X-Files at that point, I don't think I would have expected that. And so it stuck yeah. with me that this is a, on the one hand, kind of a high-concept um, uh, hour of television that has this over-the-top performance by this, the who's the 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 amazing yappy or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. So it, it's comedic, and Peter Boyle is really like dryly funny in yeah. it the whole time. Yeah. He's got a lot of great lines. Um, yes. But it is, like when he talks about, has that monologue about the dream that he has every night of dying of di- not only of being dead and like yeah. being aware of him decomposing but right. being at rest and then he says well good night <laughs> turns off the light like that and then the way the very sad way that it ends you yeah. know like he predicts being in bed with Daniel Scully and that's kind of funny but when it happens it's because he's killed himself because yeah. uh, he can't handle this anymore or and she's sitting on the bed with him yeah uh, just I, I just remember being very moved by this episode and it also while it also had a dark sense of humor, which mm-hmm. is the easiest way to my heart, is to, is to be darkly comic. Right. Um, so those two things, that this episode always stuck with me. Yeah. This, in, in, in the history and the, you know, the lexicon of the X-Files, this show is notable for a number of reasons. The first being, this is one of the few shows uh, in the early seasons before they moved to L.A. where they cast a notable actor. 
Uh-huh. You know, Chris Carter had always said, like, I guess Whoopi Goldberg wanted to be on the show and was constantly bothering him. And he said, I'd love to have you, but I can't because I can't have recognizable people on the show because it, take, it takes away from the entire premise. Right. In fact, he used, epi- he used actors repeatedly who are up in British Columbia, yeah. you know, uh, uh, over and over again because they were, rec- they were unrecognizable. So that was a big deal that he relented and used Peter Boyle. But it was obviously because they needed a, a great actor for that part. Yeah. And he killed it. The other one is, this is the episode where Scully gets her dog. She she had that dog for, oh, I didn't realize. for like uh, almost a full season until it got eaten by an alligator in a later yeah. episode. Queequeg, she named him. Uh, you know what Queequeg is? Uh, from Moby Dick. She right. named the dog Queequeg? Yeah. Because because the letter from Peter from Clyde Ruckman didn't say what the dog's name was, or well, she had to name it something. But it's because we find out I don't know if it's before or after that her dad, who was a recurring character on the show, he died and then came to her as a ghost a couple times. Uh-huh. He was in the navy and he he was an officer and he called her, um, uh, what's the guy Starbuck, the kid from Moby Dick. That was his nickname for her. Okay. Right? That's his name, Starbuck, the little black kid. I don't remember. Okay. I think of, when I hear Starbuck, I think of Battlestar Galactica now. Yeah, or Starbucks. Well, that's where Starbucks gets their name from, Moby Dick. (laughs) We're watching one of my stupid cats laying on his back grooming himself. Yeah. What an idiot. I think because he's so fat, that's comfortable for him. Um, And and I will say, in terms of syndication, this is, I, I bet this got more play than usual because yeah. I, I'm almost positive the standalone episodes got more play. Sure, sure, yeah, that makes sense. And because this one had Peter Boyle in it, people would flip around. Because you probably saw other episodes repeatedly as well. You just didn't recognize them. Maybe that's yeah, you know what I mean. That's true. You probably saw the Fluke Man episode a hundred times, but because you weren't watching the Fluke Man, you didn't know it was that episode. <laughs> right. But this one, you see Peter Boyle and go, "Oh, it's Clyde Buck- Brookman." Now, why? Because these are on why? Hulu. You're on Hulu. Why is it called Clyde Bruckman whenever you look it up? Because the the original episode is called Clyde Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose. Yeah, that's what it is on on Netflix when I watched it. It I watched it on Hulu. It was just called Clyde Bruckman. And I looked it up online and people refer to it as Clyde Bruckman. Do you think... I can see fans just shortening it. But but do you uh, think they changed that for syndication? I don't know. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. Um, But it's a great episode. Uh... Peter Boyle won an Emmy for it. Did you know that? Uh, only because you mentioned it last week. Yeah, he won an uh, Emmy for Best uh, Guest Actor in a Dramatic Series. So he was good. And that guy who plays the Amazing Yappy was Duchovny's stand-in, apparently. Oh, really? Yeah, that's why he's such a bad actor. But he also <laughs> was on the Jose Chung's From Outer Space episode with Charles okay. Nelson Riley, which is a funny one. I like the episodes that are a little lighter. This Here's what I like about this episode, and it's also what I liked about the Je Suis episode, is... You know, the whole premise of the X-Files is Mulder believes everything. Scully believes absolutely nothing. Everything can be explained medically. And so, you know, he makes these predictions and Mulder's like, yeah, but how does this work? I need to know exactly how this works. You can't just say shit and we sit around and wait for it to happen. I need to know how you're doing this. Whereas Scully says he's not doing it. Nothing's happening. He's not doing anything. But at one point, they are met with the truth that he predicted some shit. And it was crazy. But Scully just keeps going, eh, coincidence. It's really, I mean, yeah, it's interesting. But I'm sure there's an answer. 
And I like it because the two of them butt heads, but it's a great example of how they disagree constantly but work together. They don't fight about it. Yeah. He goes, look at this. And she goes, yeah, I see it. You know what I mean? That's pretty much what they do. And they write their reports. I really liked the the twist on Scully being usually the skeptic at the, the... the beginning cycle, the amazing Yappy or whatever. Right. When Mulder is the skeptic. Yes. <laughs> I also loved... Well, because of that... Mulder, I liked uh, Mulder and Scully showing Clyde Bruckman their badges. And he says, you expect me to believe that's a real name? Oh, yeah. <laughs> about Fox Mulder. <laughs> Hilarious, yeah. Because, yeah, by that time there's jokes about it. Yeah, and they and Mulder says, well, you know, he because when Yappy does all the... He says uh, the body's by water and they had a scar yeah. and blah, blah, blah. That's what all psychics say. It's all bullshit. And Mulder knows that. So I like that episode because it's... Brookman doesn't want to be a psychic. He doesn't care. He just he would rather not get these visions. And the whole Big Bopper and Buddy Holly thing I like a lot too. Just like he, the whole you know flip a coin, go left instead of go right. Yeah. How does that affect the rest of the world? I think about that shit all the time. Yeah. Honestly. How would my life have been different? Especially when I see old girlfriends on Facebook and stuff. Oh, man. Yeah, right? Um, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I like the joke at the end of that scene when he's like, no, it's true. I was a bigger fan of the Big Bopper than Buddy Holly. <laughs> Which is impossible to believe. Nobody <laughs> yeah. would but, ever um, say that. I don't want to make this all about Peter Boyle, but something you mentioned last week that I was looking up on IMDb was that his his career in the eighties and into the early nineties had not been what it was. Yeah, and he wasn't this, a movie star anymore. For uh, sure. And and this, along with he, he was also in NYPD Blue um, the year before, and he had bit parts in The Santa Claus and the Shadow uh, in ninety four. But it was yeah. this. It was the year after Clyde Bruckman that Raymond started. Of course. Uh, and you suggested last week that him having won the Emmy might have been part of absolutely uh, what brought him back into the into the limelight. Yeah. Well, because. You know, if you know anything about Everybody Loves Raymond and Ray Romano, he said, you know, everybody's character on Everybody Loves Raymond is heightened. They're based on real people, his wife, brother, Mm -hmm. kids. But they're, of course, heightened for TV. Except the character of Frank. (laughs) Frank, he says, is half of what he is in real life. (laughs) Frank Romano is the guy who won't shut up, who won't button his pants, who thinks he knows everything, and he's apparently the worst person in the world. And, and he said, I gotta get a guy like Peter Boyle who can just fucking go and mm-hmm. run with it and be terrible, but still be a little lovable. Yeah. And I think they saw that and went, that's our guy. Just like Shatner, you know, Shatner was on those. Shit my dad says? <laughs> no, those full episodes <laughs> of The Practice. When, okay. the, towards the end, when James Spader came on, he wasn't working at The Practice. He did work for them, yeah. but then he left and there was all that okay. stuff. And then they brought in Denny Crane. Wait, Boston Legal. Yeah, what did I say? You said the practice. No, it was the practice first. Okay. It was at towards the end of the practice after Dylan McDermott had left. Okay. Is that him? No, not McDermott. No, yeah, it is yeah. Dylan McDermott. After Dylan yeah. McDermott had left and the show was kind of falling apart, they brought in James Spader as he was a friend of Cameron Mannheim's. Oh, okay. And he was a total dick, of course. He was that character, Alan Shore. Everybody hated him, but he brought in business. And then they fired him, I think. No, 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 no. He had stolen money. He had embezzled from his old firm, and they were suing him. That's what it was. But his old firm was Crane, Poole, and Schmidt. Uh And that's where Denny Crane worked. So he he won an uh, an Emmy for guest actor for the practice. And so 
uh, David E. Kelly was like, well, we're going to give Spader his own show now, but we got to put Shatner on it. Look how great he is. Yeah. And he won another Emmy. He was so great. And it, yeah, and it revitalized his career. And that's what happens. The, uh, Jerry Stiller, the original pilot for King of Queens, yeah. starred Jack Carter. I don't even know if you know who that no, is. I don't. He's old school. Uh-huh. Did you ever see the movie Heartbeeps? Uh, no, I never have. Andy Kaufman, he's in is. that. Yeah. He was on, you don't watch Shameless, do you? No. He was on no. Shameless for a little while. But he's a million years old. But he was in the pilot for that. And obviously, Jerry Stiller, being on Seinfeld, raised his, you know, his Q rating through the roof. And then they went, oh, wait, so next year there's no more Seinfeld? Mm-hmm. Well, we got to get fucking Jerry Stiller on our right. show. And they gave Jack Carter the boot. And, you know, again, it's, uh, it's you get a good gig like that, and people are like, get him on the fucking show, bring him back. Because they're like a linchpin. They're like, they ground the show. You know, it's like you sit around and go, who I'm nervous about this show. And you look over at Peter Boyle, you know, it's fucking Peter Boyle. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I guess we can do this. If he thinks we can do it, we can do it. You know right. what I mean? Shatner's here. This guy's been through everything. He thinks it's a great script. All right, I guess it is. Let's do it. Um, but back, back to the episode, uh, there's something else that um, reminded me of, it reminded me of Lost, but I guess this would have been before Lost, obviously. Yeah. Um, when, you know, pretty much... It becomes almost a running joke that everyone who meets Clyde Bruckman in the episode asks about their own death. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when Scully asks, how do I die? He says, you don't. And that seems like that kind of like J.J. Abrams like planting the seed of a mystery thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that ever paid off because I don't watch the show. If Dana Scully became immortal or something. No. But, uh, but she's still alive, so we don't know. Right. Um, um, but I think it was more about like... Because she did get... Uh, abducted. They 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 tried to make it look like she got abducted by aliens, but it was actually the government abducted her. And uh, she was remember when she was pregnant, and they showed her on that table. No, nope. when the actress was pregnant, uh-huh. they hid it until they did that weird episode where they showed her on a table uh, naked, but of course with sheets on her as an operating table, and her giant stomach with uh-huh. tubes hooked up to it. They were either pumping something into her stomach or sucking it out because the character was not pregnant. So, uh, so it looked fucking crazy. But, yeah, she has yet to die, so who knows? Okay. Maybe, I don't know, maybe she'll just disappear and no one will know how she dies. Does that work? <laughs> if you can tell the future, how do you see it? Do you see what is going to happen? Or do you see, like, a newspaper from the future that says, this person died? Well, that's what Mulder was trying to ask him, and he was right. saying, I just, I just know. I just know. Yeah. Well, uh, it's one of the best episodes, and hopefully they'll do some stuff like that with this uh, new thing, with this new X-Files. Let's move on to trivia. Okay. Um, oh, I also want to thank everybody who came to see uh, the Brady Bunch fake reunion last night. Man, it was funny. Jim Bruce was the football from that episode, <laughs> and he was fucking hysterical. And Bill Cott did the best impression of Sam the Butcher I've ever heard. It was a really fun night, and of course, the real Cousin Oliver was there, Robbie Rist. Right. He was very funny, too. Oh, he was on Mystery Diners. Really? Yep. What was the place? Um, I can't... It's it's a place up in, like, uh, the North Ridge or something like that, but um, it's a, it was a bar that has bands. Yeah, and band. he plays that? The, yeah, the, 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 
his band was playing there. The uh, what, what is it called? The no, he's, he's in like seven. Bands. Is there something dot? Or yeah, the dots. The wrong dots. The wrong dots. Like that. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, they they played, and he had a couple of lines. Yeah. yeah, he's a great guy. What people don't know about Robbie is he's like a boy genius. That's why he was in so many shows because he was yeah. a genius kid. Like he played violin at five years old. So and he saved all his money. So he's like a rich genius, but he looks like just some dude. Plus, he was one of the turtles. Um, but it was it was a great show, and we'll put it on. We got another date for March. I'm thinking of doing Challenge of the Super Friends, the cartoon. You know, okay, I know what it is, but you do? Uh, or don't. I've I've heard of it, but I don't. Oh, you never seen it? No. But that'll be the week that uh, Batman versus Superman comes out. So everybody will be talking about superheroes. Um, all right. So trivia last week. Um, three people tried to answer it. Two of them got it wrong. It was about who starred in the other episode of the Twilight Zone that was about a guardian angel. And I said, this person went on to be super famous. You couldn't get past your sexist ways and and guess a female. No, you're right. You had to guess a dude. Um, but Bob Lemon saw where I was going and he guessed Mary Tyler Moore, which actually is a very good guess because she's a woman who did a lot on TV, but that was not her. Uh, another person guessed Robert Redford from that one episode he was on, where he was actually the angel of death. He came to get an old woman, but he was the angel of death. Uh, but the answer is Carol Burnett and Daniel Ulrich got it right. So congratulations. I got just got some new swag. It's porn. I got some new porn. Because <laughs> I, I, I wanted to give away uh, DVDs of Not the Brady's because they have a bunch of them. Not the Brady's Pussy Power. Not the Brady's Marsha Goes to College. Not the Brady's Meet the Partridges. So I called the distribution the distribution company and said, hey, can I get some DVDs? And the guy was like, well, you have to talk to the director. Uh, here's his phone number. So I t- spoke to the guy who directed all those porno parodies. And he said, yeah, 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 just send me an email. We'll send you a box. So I got a box, <laughs> box of pornos on, in my door. They were very nice to, to help out. Pulse Distribution. I'll give them a shout out. So what's the trivia question this week? All right. So the episode we're about to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, is written and directed by Vince Gilligan. Right. Um, who, of course, went on to create Breaking Bad. Yep. Uh, but the episode we just talked about was directed by David Nutter, who is also a very, very prolific and very successful uh, television director. Uh, maybe perhaps now best known for having directed one of the most talked about episodes of television of the past uh, three years, let's say. Uh, can you guess what episode of what show he directed. I will guess that he directed the finale of Mad Men. Nope. All right, that's my guess. You want to plan anything? Um, there's yeah. Now that I think about it, he probably wouldn't have directed the finale. But all right. So if you know the answer, send uh, it to Paul. Send me an email, Paul at thekingoftv.com, and you could also win a prize. And you can follow me uh, at uh, Paul Goble Show. What the fuck does this say? That's the name of the episode. Okay. It's, it's not what people, people don't refer to the episode as that. They refer to it as the something else episode. Oh, way to give a big spoiler. <laughs> the something else episode. Uh, is it this one? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, so <laughs> I think you just gave it away by saying that. But send your answers to me. Follow me on the Twitter at Paul Goble Show. Be my friend on Facebook, just like actress Leslie Mann. Did you see this? Oh, I can't. I, I so wanted to talk to you about this. <laughs> Leslie I'm with Mann, the whole backstory. Leslie Mann joined Facebook. If you're on Facebook and spend a lot of time on it, you get suggestions of people you might know. 
friends you have in common. And in some cases, that's terrible because I've heard where like people are like, hey, you might know Bob. And women are like, yeah, Bob raped me. Mm. I would rather not be uh, reminded of that. Yeah. But it happens. Or, yeah, that guy molested me in high school. Yeah. Not cool. But in many cases... So it's... you had a similar experience. <laughs> Actually, yes. Because I know so many people in the showbiz and I have thousands and thousands of friends, I get suggestions for Fred Melamed uh-huh. or uh, Howie Mandel or Stephen Tobolowsky. Sure, yeah. Because we have mutual friends in common. Yeah. And in this case, I guess she joined Facebook, which I assume is because her movie's a piece of shit. And she needs to get people to see it as much uh, as possible. Which movie? This one with Rebel Wilson, single oh, girl guy. Single? Yeah, something like that. It looks god awful. Uh, okay. As much as I love Rebel, Rebel Wilson, let's be honest. Leslie Mann has not been in a good movie. I don't think ever in her career. That can't be true. Well, we'll see. Uh, look it up. She was in Freaks and Geeks, the show, but yeah, I don't know. Um, but she joined it. I'm sure just to get people to join. And so it is suggested Leslie Mann, and I, and I thought that's weird, but okay. So I go to her page, and she's got a million friend, new friends. And she says, this is great, guys. Thanks. So I said, okay, let's be friends. And I got a thing. I got a notification. Leslie Mann has accepted your friend request. So I thought, that's hilarious. Because obviously, she doesn't remember me. Or probably doesn't even remember the entire incident. Yeah. So I wrote on her page, like when people do, thanks for the ad, thanks Uh for being my friend, I'm a big fan. I wrote, I'm glad we could get past it. (laughs) And she liked it. (laughs) I took a picture of it and I tweeted it. It says, I'm glad we can get past it. Right underneath, (laughs) Leslie Mann likes this. So it's funny to me because she's probably not even doing it. Somebody probably said, Leslie, are you on Facebook? No? All right. Hire somebody to be you on Facebook so people come see your shit-ass movie. Because she's not on Twitter either. She shut her Twitter down. Um, But I think it's funny, of course, because maybe she'll block me when someone says, Hey, this guy's talking shit about you. (laughs) Because on Twitter, I said, I'm sure she joined because this movie's a fucking whiff. Do you think she... I mean, she must remember that incident... I would like, think, if someone jogged her memory, she'd be like, oh, that She probably has a memory of it. If somebody said, hey, remember that night at Freaks and Geeks when that guy was a dick? She'd probably go, yeah. But she probably doesn't remember that she <laughs> called me a fucking asshole to my face or anything else. Who knows? Maybe she was hammered. But obviously she has more important things to worry about, which would be anything. Or you <laughs> dragging her name from the mud by suggesting that perhaps she was intoxicated at the Freaks and Geeks reunion. What's wrong with it? There was free liquor there. Yeah. I was drinking. There's nothing wrong with saying she right, wasn't. So, she wasn't uh, even on stage. She's been in a ton of good movies, by the way. Name one. Uh, the Bling Ring. Okay, she did a name voice one. In Paranorman. Name that was that was voice. That doesn't count. Okay, she was in I Love You, Philip Morris. That's not a good movie. Yeah, it is. It's okay. No, that's it's, a really good movie. No, keep going. Uh, she was in Knocked Up and the Four Year Old Virgin. Um, she was in Orange County. Okay, Knocked Up. Code. Orange County. Yeah. The Jack Black movie. Yeah, I would... What, oh my the, God, what is Hanks wrong movie? with you, David? That's a good movie. Horrible. I know some people like Bottle Rocket. Apparently she has an oh, uncredited Rocket, it's role. it's a great man. movie. Okay. She's uncredited as Sorority Girl. In oh, Bottle well, then it doesn't count. Uncredited. But I'm, I'm with you. I, or I'm, how you feel about Orange County is how I feel about Bottle Rocket. It's stupid. No, um, I, but I love Bottle Rocket. She's in The Cable Guy. That's a good movie. That's there back, yeah, that's that's back when she was hot. Oh, she's still hot. No, David. Let's yes. not go there. Anyways, I'm on the I'm online and I'm friends with Leslie Mann. What about you? Are you friends with people on Facebook and Twitter? I'm friends with a lot of people on Facebook. I'm friends with anyone who will have me. 
Um, <laughs> if Leslie Mann were to send me a friend request, yeah. I would accept it. I would not send her a friend request. I've literally never sent a friend request to anyone on Facebook. I don't I well, know how. If you're going to accept a friend request from I Love Rapes, you'll probably yeah. accept one from Leslie Mann. Uh, yeah, <laughs> especially since she is uh, hot. <laughs> I know you disagree. She used to be. I think she's hotter now. I think now. the last movie I she think was... she's hotter now than she was in The Cable Guy. That's a flat out lie. I think she was hot in Big Daddy. Oh yeah, that that uh, Adam Sandler movie. Yeah, definitely. And what wasn't Renee Zellweger, her sister, her hotter sister in it? Because Leslie Mann was the bitch sister who was married to somebody, her friend, and Renee Zellweger was her hot sister. I think it was Renee Zellweger. Was it Joey Lauren Adams? No, it was the other one. Yeah, yeah. it was. It, it, it was one or the other. Um, all right, so yeah, I'm at battleshippretension.com. That's where you can find all the stuff I write, including my list of the my 10 best uh, TV shows of 2015. Um, <laughs> yeah, everybody's talking about. Uh, yeah, you can find that. I literally... Okay, it's a movie website, right? Yes. I posted a list of my 10 best, 10 favorite TV shows of 2015. Okay. Crickets. No responses whatsoever. Okay. TV's, TV is similar to movies. Yeah. I then post a list of my 10 favorite albums of 2015... All kinds of comments and tweets really? and stuff. For some reason, people were way more interested in my favorite albums of the year hmm. than my favorite TV shows. I'll say this. I think it's because people see your list of movies and TV or whatever and go, hmm, that's a decent list. He's an expert. I haven't seen half of these, so uh-huh. I'll take his word. But then you put albums of the year... And everyone's like, well, he's no expert on music, so I'm going to give my opinion. Plus, I've heard at least one song from each of these albums. Right. That's the other thing. Like, That's actually are, probably not true, though. Which which part? That people have heard, that the average reader has heard one song from each of the albums on there. But you can. You, right. while, while I'm looking at your list, I can Google a well, song. Well, that's what I put, you know what for each list, I put a YouTube for the well, that's song. exactly why. Yeah. You didn't put the movie and say, hey, watch the whole <laughs> right. movie and let yeah, me know. No, no, you're right. Because even even a song, people click on it and go, <laughs> oh, this song sucks, and click off. David, why did you think that was good? It was terrible. You know? Yeah, no, good point. That's that's why. Good point. Yeah, yeah, you're not too familiar with the internet, I guess. I guess not. Um, but oh, oh, what's over at the at Battleship Redemption right now that I'm super stoked about is the BP's nominations are up. Woohoo! Nomin- that's, we do our own... Uh, we figured there aren't enough awards at this time of year, sure. so we do our own uh, BP's awards. It's the contributors and favorite guests. Uh, did you nominate? Which one am I? Um, you're not a contributor, so I guess... I don't ever do the nominations. Okay. I made it clear to Tyler, I will never send my list of nominations, um, but I will pick. I will pick winners okay. and appear on the show. I uh, have not been asked this year yet, so... So, uh, so yeah, definitely myself. check out the BP's nominations and stay tuned for the BP's awards ceremony, which we'll be doing in, in the coming weeks. Um, you can email me at david at com. You can follow me on Twitter at DaveyPretension. And uh, do you mind if I run down my uh, top ten of the 2015 real quick? Of what? Top ten TV shows. TV okay. Shows. I'm not going to do well. Start at ten. Yeah, of course. Uh, number ten, and this is... With the caveat that there's a bunch of shit that I haven't caught up with. It's okay. Hashtag peak TV. There's so anything that's left out... It's it, potentially it, just that I haven't seen it. Okay. Okay. Number 10, Show Me a Hero. All right. Number 9, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yes. Number 8, The Jinx. Yep. Number 7, Silicon Valley. Uh-huh. Number 6, Mr. Robot. <laughs> Number 5, Wolf Hall. Mm-hmm. Number 4, Broad City. Yeah. Number 3, Mad Men. Okay. Number 2, Adventure Time. <laughs> and number 1, you can probably guess, Hannibal. That's a good list. I'm surprised Adventure Time is number two. I, I've not, yeah. 
I'm surprised it's above the final season of Mad Men. Yeah, I, I am a Adventure Time fanboy. Honorable well, mentions, real quick. Inside Amy Schumer, The Amazing Race had such a good season. Yeah. Uh, Children's Hospital, The Last Man on Earth, and How to Get Away with Murder. Now, I heard uh, there are pictures online of Will Forte showed up someplace with half his head shaved and oh, half really? his beard shaved. Oh, that's interesting. I, I have a feeling that might be for the show. Yeah, because because so. that's his real beard, and he yeah. grows it and says, "I hate this fucking beard. But <laughs> I have to have it for the show." He'd rather have a real one than we have to wear a fake one. So maybe he shaved half of it for the show because he would do that. But man, that show's great. I miss it. All right, let's move on to Jusuet. Yeah, I know this one I had never seen before, and I yeah. loved it. It's uh, a, it's a good one because it's a standalone. Yeah, uh, much like Clyde Bruckman, it's funny and it has recognizable actors in it. Will Sasso. And the guy who played Marshall on Alias. That's exactly how I described it to, to, to Mrs. Howell. She was like, who's in it? I was like, oh, it's the guy who played Marshall on Alias and Will Sasso. Right. <laughs> and uh, and that girl who was the genie, even though she's not famous, she was really good and funny. Yeah, she funny. was really good. And, uh, and, he, and this is a perfect example. Like when I said what, what I like about the first episode, this is the better one. When that invisible body comes into the morgue... Uh-huh. Scully is forced to go, OMG, this but guy's this, invisible. This is my question when I was watching it. And I do plan, my, Mrs. Hall and I were saying, like, once we get through the rewatches and series, <laughs> like, that we need to catch up on, a full X-Files watch is in our, in our future. So like, when you're retired. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> um, but my question was, season seven? At the end of season seven? And she's still that much of a skeptic? Yeah. Like, she saw crazy stuff yeah. every week. For seven years, and she's still like, I don't know. She does it, it's great, because it shows that that's who she is. She never changed. Because she she will not argue with what's in front of her. Uh-huh. She said, you know, she showed Mulder. This guy was invisible, I've covered him in powder. And, like, even Mulder's looking, I can still see his butt uh-huh. through there. And she's like, well, I can't deny it, so let's look. But when it comes time to show her findings to someone else, yeah. she has to be a scientist and say, well, I know what I saw, but I can't prove it. And that's all that matters. Right. All that, she's a, I mean, you know, she is a doctor. She has an MD. Okay. She's a woman of science. So if she can't prove it, that means there's a reason it didn't happen. It means, like with uh, Clyde Bruckman, she says, you know, mass hypnosis or whatever, you right. know. So, she, but. Or the mouth guy is the best. Yeah, uh, and we don't even see it, but at some point he says, "I wish that guy would shut up," and the genie just removed his mouth. Yeah, and we don't see that either. Well, we do see him go, mm, 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 right? Yeah, right before the commercial. But then he goes to the FBI, and this is how they hear about it. He says, "I know exactly what happened." Yeah, and he does. But who's going to believe that? Um, and then, but the, the best part is Scully then says, "Well, what about this disease that?" Causes you to be born with a tiny mouth. Yeah. No! This guy has a... He had to cut well, see, open his that's mouth. That's part of the problem. I don't, I don't know if it's a problem because I haven't watched the whole show. But part of my question about the show is that Mulder's the believer and, Dan, and, and, and Scully is the, the skeptic. Yeah. But the show itself is clearly on the side that Mulder's right. Like, there's no question among the audience that this stuff yeah. is not real. Yeah. So does that ever hurt Scully as a character? Does that make her look... Ignorant? Well, in a way, because, you know, in the first episode, <laughs> it starts with Scully coming in for her assignment. And uh, it's funny, because the guy who hires her is, like, not seen for seasons. He comes back like, many seasons later. But he hires her and says, here's your deal. You're going to work with this guy, Fox Mulder, at the X-Files. And she says, "Is 
Am I to understand that my job is to debunk the X Files? Mm-hmm. And he says, "Do your job. Do what you got to mm-hmm. do." So that's her gig, and Mulder knows that. But because they're both so smart and good at their jobs, and of course they're attracted to each other, right? They get past that. They respect each other's positions, but they realize, "Oh, we're yin and yang. We we complement each other. Yeah. That's what good partners should do." So it's it's like. Everybody respects her, and especially at this point in the series, she's been through so much. You know, she sees that, even though she doesn't believe in all this shit, she knows for a fact there are elements within the FBI and the American government who are covering things up. That's Mm -hmm. for sure. She knows there are conspiracies, and she knows that Mulder is, you know, on a crusade, and in a way she's protecting him, you know, because she's an FBI agent too. She's actually the better agent. Like, she's a better shot. Mulder, I think, pulls his gun once or twice the whole show. But she's a better shot. She's way smarter because she's a doctor. Uh, you know, and even though Mulder is a Rhodes Scholar, mm-hmm. she's smarter than him. So it's almost like begrudgingly, like, you know, fans of the show watch it and go, God, Scully, why don't you believe? <laughs> but you have to at least respect her for who she is and what she does. And, of course, later on when it became clear, oh, they're boyfriend and girlfriend, mm-hmm. then everybody loved her because she was... Mulder's girlfriend. So wait, were they were they ever officially together on yeah. the show? Yeah, they had a kid. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Because you didn't see any of the movies? No, I didn't see any movies. Yeah, later on, when Mulder leaves, basically, uh, when when Duchovny left the show... When Robert Patrick came on? Uh, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, because yeah, Robert Patrick came in as her new partner, and then she left, and then it was... What's her name? Uh, oh, I didn't even know about what's, that. What's her name? Uh, Annabeth Gish. Wow. You like know that. that? No, I didn't and know that. And then Carrie Elwes joined the show. Wow. Yeah. This makes it sound like it was on for like 14 seasons. Yeah, that's the thing. Towards the end... like they a, mo- But the, everything you're saying must have happened like the last two seasons. Yeah. When they moved to L.A., things got really crazy. Duchovny was only in half the episodes. Uh, some of them were bad. He directed a couple that were horrible. Yeah. Uh, and then they brought in Robert Patrick and Annabeth Gish, and they kind of switched off. And then Carrie Elwes was uh, Scully's new partner. So... Uh, and the last season's kind of a mess. But they get together, yeah. They eventually, when he, when it's clear that his life is in danger and he has to run away, she says, I don't want you to go because I love you. He says, yeah, I love you too, but let's have sex. They have a kid okay. who's named... Willie. Willie Mulder. <laughs> right? They name him after Fox's dad, William Mulder. All right. And I remember watching it with my first wife. They're, you know, because they have to deliver the baby in secret because everyone wants it. Um, and I, they're, they're holding the baby and I turn to my wife and go, Willie Mulder. <laughs> and she, and she says, I want to name him William after your father. <laughs> I was like, yes, Willie, Willie Mulder. And in the second movie, they talk about him cause he's like five or six at that point. So they have a kid. I would, that's the main reason I'm watching. I want to know what fucking happened to that kid, man. Well, yeah. The, he's, cause he's gotta be like the further a Further adventures of Willie Mulder. Right. He's like a young adult at this point. He's gotta be at like 18, right? So the, the young Willie Mulder Chronicles. <laughs> Maybe that's what they're doing. They're going to spin this off. <laughs> yeah. And it's the new X-Files with Willie Mulder <laughs> and his new partner. And Mitch Pileggi still works there, but he's completely bald. Uh, but at the end of this episode, the, the very sweet moment of them watching Caddyshack together, they're not. They're still just friends at that point, right? I think so, yeah. Okay. But, because there are episodes when, you know, obviously the two of them are dating or whatever, or just trying to hook up with guys, but it, it becomes clear later on in the series, it's like, why bother uh-huh. dating? You're my partner, my boyfriend, my best friend. 
Let's just do that. So they they just spend all their time together. Um, Let's talk about the comedy of this episode and what made well, it. Real quick, what I want to mention is the okay. setting of this episode. Yeah, Crevecore, Missouri, which I is about two suburbs away from where I grew up. A real place. It is a real place. It is a suburb of of uh, of, of St. Louis. Oh, I'm um, glad I'm glad you brought this up. Yeah, because I was talking to my wife, uh, who is Canadian, and we often talk about the show King of Kensington that we both grew up watching. Okay, because I lived in Michigan and I got the Canadian Broadcasting Channel. Um, and it's a show with Al Waxman, who is better known as the boss on Cagney and Lacey. He was their okay. boss, um, and he was just a dude. It was just a family sitcom. He's the king of Kensington. He, you know, would walk down the street, hey, he ran a market in Kensington Square. And she always thought that was weird because as a kid, she knew exactly where that was. Uh Why would they have a TV show in Kensington Square? Who would care about such a thing? (laughs) And I explained to her, well, the rest of the world doesn't know or care that that's a real place. Right. I said, there are people who watch Entourage and, and, uh, what's the other one, uh, Californication and they think Los Angeles is made up yeah they refuse to believe it's like that but it's exactly like that you and I know those people come to LA and go oh my god it's just like Entourage there's the arc light you know because it is like that and this is a perfect example I would say Creed's Core is not as um, hickish as as they made it it's not not that but it also has nice parts it's in like that's funny it's in West St. Louis County which is where the richer suburbs are it had the it had the nicer AMC theater. Like I would drive further sometimes when I was in high school to see movies at the nice. The and that's Creed where your storage. Twelve. That's where your storage locker sure, was. Yeah. And your boat. I saw Boiler Room at Creevecore Twelve. Wow. I think I saw Where the Heart Is at Creevecore Twelve. Wow, you drove a long way for some bad for movies. <laughs> um, here's what I like about this episode is uh, the comedy. But we all know that when a genie shows up, watch yourself. Yeah. Unlike. Aladdin in the genie. Every genie story is a bad one. Whether it's Twilight Zone, whether it's this, uh, what's the other? On Fairly Odd Parents, Norm Macdonald played an evil genie uh-huh. named Norm. Hilarious. But it's always like that. And she even says, it's really not my choice. Right. If you can't be, you know, specific about it, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. And I realized, like, at the end, you know, it, uh, when Mulder gives her her freedom... That's why genies are so evil, because they all were people who asked for great power and were turned into genies, because that happens in Aladdin, Jafar, that's how they defeat Jafar. He says to the genie, I want complete power, and genie goes, okay, and makes him a genie, but he's stuck in this lamp now, and he has to do the bidding of someone, I don't remember who it is, but someone who picks up that lamp. But that's how that's how she said it happened. Yeah, I voted for. I asked for a bag that always had turnips in it. Yeah, a stout-hearted mule. <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, and uh, and then she said, "You know what? I want a bunch of power." Because how bad could it? Like the the bag of turnips. I don't see the downside to that. Yeah, I mean, I, I assume you get sick of turnips, turnips, but if you ask for a bag of turnips yeah. to be full forever, you have got to really love turnips. Yeah, right. And how could that be a bad thing? It's not like it's overflowing. Ah, too many, too many turnips. I'm drowning in turnips. It just said a bag full. Always full. Right? Now, does that mean you can't pull a turnip out of it? Because it's always full? Would that be the bad part? Like, oh, I have this bag full of turnips. Unfortunately, I can't take one out. Because I said the bag always has to be full. Right? Oh, is is okay. that the catch? Yeah, that would be pretty, uh, pretty mean-spirited of the genie. That, but that would be right up the genie's alley, right? Right. Yeah, here's a stout-hearted mule. 
Oh, yeah, I died of a heart attack because it was enlarged. You didn't ask for a, a, a live mule. You asked yeah. for stout-hearted. Here's a dead mule. Look at that heart. It's huge. That's what <laughs> killed it. It had a giant heart. But that's why genies do that because they're assholes because right. they're pissed off. And I thought it was great because Mulder, when he says peace on earth, he realizes, oh, you just got rid of everybody. <laughs> so there's nothing I can do. If I, if I ask any wish for myself, it's going to go bad. Right. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a wish that you don't want to fuck up, uh-huh. that you are will be inclined to make great, and I'm going to fucking type it out and proofread it <laughs> to make sure it's all worded correctly. That was That was what I liked about it, because it was really believable. That's the thing about the X-Files that I think really resonated with people. Obviously, there's no st- such thing as a genie. But if there was, yeah. how would it work? Yeah, These guys are so fucking stupid, they can't yeah. think, yeah, how about legs that work? Nope. Solid gold <laughs> bike. Solid gold wheelchair. Just stupid. My, my favorite part is when he says, okay, I wish he could talk. And then he just starts screaming because yeah. he's dying because he's a corpse. Uh, but I like the callback to the... She keeps suggesting, like, maybe you could wish to walk. And he's yeah. like, oh, solid gold wheelchair. And then later when he's trying to think of what he's going to use his last wish on, yeah. he's like, I wish for money, or I wish for this. Oh, there's your thing, the solid gold wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I don't know if that was before or after Will Sasso was on uh, Mad TV, but he was very funny. <clears throat> yeah. Did you watch the Mad TV reunion? No. Me neither. I don't know anyone who did. Do you think it was better than SNL 40? Yeah, I'm sure it was great because <laughs> it had Stewart on it. Um, but I think it's funny that you could probably go back and watch every episode of the X Files, except for like just watch the standalone episodes, right? And then go back and watch the ones that are connected, <laughs> and it would be two different shows starring the same people. Yeah, right. How great is that? But, uh, yeah, this the, the the Vince Gilligan dark sense of humor mm-hmm. uh, again, like with Clyde Bruckman, that's something that I really responded to. Um, even when you like see it coming, like as soon as he, uh, like I liked him invisible and like, but as soon as he hit like the crosswalk thing, I was like, oh, he's gonna hit the kid by a car. Of course he is. Like I knew who was coming. Yeah, it's still hilarious. And that whole thing was funny. Like, first of all, what is he going to do? Go over and pinch their butts? Yeah. Or, like, is he going to, like, he's like, I'm going to help you ladies. Well, are you actually going to go assault them? That's not okay. Because just because you're invisible doesn't mean you have the power to have sex with women. Yeah. Uh, right there on the side of the street. That's not going to work out. Yeah. Because I'm betting an invisible rapist is probably uh, less successful than a visible rapist. Because uh-huh. if you're being raped by a dude... You don't want to be killed, so you, right? You get raped. But if you're being raped by something, Uh you're going to freak the fuck out. (laughs) Okay. So that's dumb. So what is he doing? But I like the fact that he pushed the button and he didn't think, like we all do. I'm going to cross the street now because I have the right of way. But of course, cars don't stop for nobody. (laughs) Yeah. They only stop when there's someone there. And that's exactly what would happen. The invisible guy would be like, oh, shit. I, no one can see me. Uh-huh. People are going to bump into you all the time and go, what the fuck was that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I like how his body is discovered when the, the guy riding the bike like, flies over the handlebars yes. because he hits nothing. Yeah, in a, in a normal show, in a lesser show, it would be kids going, huh, what's that? Huh? But in this one, the guy fucking trips over and you see the whole outline of his dead yeah. body. Yeah. It is fucking well done. It's so funny. Um, let me ask you this on a, a barely related note. I was talking to my wife about the idea of dark comedy. 
And I think that most people's idea of what a dark comedy is is a childish version. Okay. Like uh, the oh, movie The I War don't... of the Roses. You know that? No, I never saw that. People say that's a dark comedy because, you know, they start off in love, then they end up hating each other, they fight, and they kill each other at the end. They both die. Right. But it's a comedy. Now, my feeling is, first of all, I don't find that movie very funny. Okay. I don't think the concept of divorce is hilarious because mine was so painful. But uh, I also don't think that it's a dark comedy. My feeling about dark comedy is, dark comedy is something that is so painful and uncomfortable to watch you laugh out loud to break the tension, and then you feel bad that you laughed out loud. You feel bad that you laughed at this person dying. The best, yeah. the best example for me is Blood Simple, the Coen Brothers okay. movie Blood yeah. Simple, which isn't necessarily a laugh-out-loud movie, but those scenes where um, Dan Hedaya is crawling out of the grave like yeah. he refuses to die, that's so funny. Yeah. And yet, it's a dead guy who they keep shooting and trying to kill. That yeah. shouldn't be funny, but to me, it's hilarious. I, I said some, this is more about offensive like comedy than dark comedy, but like mm. South Park does offensive comedy right. right. Yes. Whereas, my old comparison used to be a show that no one remembers anymore called Drawn Together, which is like oh, the yeah. worst comedy, like cartoon comedy show right. ever, which was just about... Let's just have something bloody or gross happen, or sex. Uh, Let's yeah, talk about uh, sex every yeah. every few uh, every few minutes. Yeah, I hated that show. Uh, and I think that's kind of the same thing. There's a lazy version of doing it, right? And there's something that actually gets under your skin and actually like, you know, this guy wishing his brother to come back, came back from the dead, and comes back as this half invisible, rotting, fly ridden zombie <laughs> who can only scream in pain, right? Who like, stinks and he's cold. Yeah, that's very heavy stuff. Yeah, and also very very fun. Exactly. Thank you for agreeing with me. And you now go tell my wife she's wrong. Oh, what, what, what did she say? She says it's not that. She says dark comedy is just things that you wouldn't normally laugh at. Like la- laughing at a funeral. That's dark comedy. Or laughing well, at... Well, maybe the, I kind of am somewhere in between the two of you. Because I do still think that stuff is under the umbrella of dark comedy. I guess there's just dark comedy that I like more than other dark comedy. I, you know, there's yeah. some that's funnier to me. Maybe because I'm a comedian and I, uh, I have a higher bar... For what is funny and what isn't, so I, if something right, but is, even if even if a comedian isn't funny, like right, me, <laughs> he or she is still doing comedy, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. It's under the umbrella of comedy. They're it's trying a, to make people laugh. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like what, what all these examples we're talking about are all under the umbrella of dark comedy. It's just that some is better than others. Yeah. Well, like okay, I'm sure this show baskets. Zach Galifianakis is the master. You know his great joke where he says, "I've used the word." I, tr- I try not to be racist, but I have used the word sand nigger before. Uh-huh. You've heard that joke? No. Oh, he says, but I didn't say it about a black... I didn't say it about an Arab. What I said was, get off the sand nigger, volleyball's a white man's sport. <laughs> now, that's oh, offensive that's as very, fuck, that's but crazy. hilarious. Yeah. So, and I will say the N-word because I'm quoting another person. But it's fucking hysterical, but it's offensive as fuck. You laugh out loud, and then you feel bad because you realize... You're laughing at the fact that this guy just said the N-word. Yeah. This weirdo with the weird hair and beard just said the N-word. I yeah. tweeted that uh, Zach Galaxy Fanakis' new joke uh-huh. was, I've never used the word sand people <laughs> to refer to Tuscan Raiders. What I said is, get off the sand, people. Volleyball is a nerf herder sport. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a Star Wars joke. Uh-huh. That's a very Star Wars joke. <laughs> yeah. um. But anyway... So next week, 
David will be gone. Where are you going to be? Uh, at the Sundance Film Festival. Oh, fancy. I guess so. You going to go skiing while you're there? No. No? I've never been skiing in my life. You're just going to see movies? I don't think movies? I'm going to start at age 33. You're just going to see movies and smoke and drink coffee? I'm going to see movies. I'm probably going to smoke some cigarettes. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to drink some coffee. Yeah. yeah. It's not, those aren't like the top three things I'm going to be doing. I don't know. Smoking and, and watching movies, I think there's yeah. not much else to do there. I'll probably be doing some drinking. And oh, really? some socializing. Oh, well. And some Smoking eating. And socializing. Coffee sort of is utilitarian only. I'll have a couple cup of, cups of coffee to keep me going. Well, but I don't, it's, I don't it's drink. It's going to be cold. Like, though. I don't drink coffee the way that people are like, let's go get a coffee. Yeah. Like, to me, coffee is something you do on the run or while you're doing other stuff. It's just what utilitarian. What are you, let's go get? A drink. Oh, it's always a cocktail. Or, or a beer. Or, yeah. That's well, I remember when we first talked about doing this show, I was like, so you want to come over and we'll talk about it? And you said, well, let's meet at the Mexican restaurant because <laughs> it's margarita day. Yeah, that's and you, right. And true to form, you got a margarita and some Mexican food. Yeah. I honestly was, I went, we're just supposed to be having a meeting about doing this podcast. He's having a full-on dinner. What is, what is it with this weirdo? But If it, I have an excuse to... Uh, have a cocktail to, to make something in, an event that I can yeah have a, a I think that's very classy food. of you yeah and also you were dressed in your work clothes yeah, so you were very classy anyways no I still remember that actually I got um, yeah you got uh, garlic like butter shrimp garlic butter like on my shirt on your shirt I'm still pretty pissed about that right, it was a nice shirt <laughs> I don't blame you so he'll be gone but my friend uh, my nerd friend Tom Frank will be here and we'll be talking about Peggy Carter and DC's Legends of Tomorrow Two uh, nerd superhero shows that are premiering um, this week. So he'll be here, regular show, and David will be not here. It's going to be cold there. Yeah, I got a. You going to be ready for it? Yeah. You got it? Yep. All right. What are you going to say when you see, like, a big star like Jesse Eisenberg or some big shot, Jason Schwartzman? Probably nothing. Nothing? Yeah. You won't have anything to show them? Um, oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> Uh, and I'll say, I can't talk right now, because there's a movie, and i got to go watch this. 